0: It's good to see you guys this morning. It's good to see you this morning. Love you too. It's good to... Hi, Miss Dean. Man, what a great day, huh? Amen. Amen. Well, how are you all doing? Man, there's one loud voice. Well, it's good to, good to see you guys this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. If I've never met you before, I would uh, enjoy meeting you at some point. Um, today, I'm I'm a little, uh, just, I don't know if it's dry throat or whatever, but I'm taking precaution. I'm staying away from people. So don't come near me. If you haven't met me, if you haven't met me, don't come near me. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just keeping a safe distance from everybody. And uh, anyways, it's an honor to get to stand up here and um, preach this morning. So um, welcome all of our online visitors, all our online campuses. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We, we count it an honor that you get to, to to be in our house and allow us to come into your house. We appreciate you and uh, we love you. Praying for you guys as well. So uh, with that, um, are you guys ready this morning? Yep. They just they just logged off. That's all they wanted was hello. <clears throat> hey, we've been talking about transformation over this last few weeks. All of us pastors have had a chance to throw our cards into the to the the center of the table and kind of tell you what we what our um, view of, of transformation is about. Have you enjoyed this series so far? Yeah. Well, I get to close it up today, so uh, uh, close up this series, close up this this season that we 're in and and um, it's going to be fun. Amen. amen If you have your Bibles, if you would, go over to second Corinthians chapter three, and um, that's going to be our um, jumping off point here in just a little bit. But uh, over the last few months we've been talking about revival and and i love I love talking about revival because um, and more specifically personal revival. Because I believe that there is a waking up that we need to do. There is a reviving that we need to do as a church. There is a place on the inside of us that we've come to a place where we think that we've hit the end of our chain, but we haven't hit the end of our chain. There is a snap on the end of that chain. We just need to unsnap and and run. Amen? Amen. And, and so we've been talking a lot about revival over the last few months and, um, we defined revival as a restoration of truth. It's when, it's when, truth, be, when, when truth becomes alive in us again. Amen? Amen? Y'all are awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> um, it's, it's a restoration of truth. And, and so when I start thinking about, you know, as we encounter, as we experience revival in our lives, what do we do with that? What do we do when, with it whenever God gives us a truth to wake us up to? And and what do we do with that? What, how do we apply that to our lives? And that's where transformation comes in. Because you take that truth and it wakes you up. And then you've got to apply that in order to get that truth out there and to become a part of that truth. Amen. And as we do, that's where transformation comes in. So we've, we've um, defined uh, transformation. The word transformation in the Bible in the New Testament is a Greek word called metamorpho. That's kind of oaky, wasn't it? Metamorpho. <laughs> metamorpho. And it's where we get our English word metamorphosis from. Y'all remember what metamorphosis is from, from uh, science class, don't you? Yes. You know, metamorphosis is this to change the form or nature of a thing into a completely different form by a natural or supernatural means. Do y'all get that? We know what metamorphosis is. You know, you go back to the old caterpillar turning into a butterfly, right? Going back to the tadpole that turns into a little froggy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kermit was a tadpole at one time. But that, that definition of metamorphosis is the same idea that the apostle Paul had when he wrote here in second Corinthians. It's the, it's, it's the idea that he used to bring life, new life or revived life to a Christ follower. It's the way that he saw Christianity. It's the way that he looked at Christians and decided this is how they're supposed to live their life. As they revive, they now have to be transformed. And there's a transformation. There's, a, there's an end of, of that process. And God looks at every one of us at the end of that process, knowing we still have to go through the metamorphosis. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 is where we're going to go today. This is New King James Version. And it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your spirit. Father, is, that, is the, that is the pivotal point of our transformation. Holy Spirit is the pivotal point of our transformation. And God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for your word. I thank you that blessing is upon your word every time we read it. And it transforms us into your image, into who you want us to be. We thank you, we praise you for what you've got going on with us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So, <clears throat> thinking about all this, I was thinking about whenever I was a kid, I was raised in church. And I was raised from the time I was three, my, mama, my mom got saved, that's a good Christian word for coming to know Jesus. My mom got saved when I was three years old, so we started going to church. I don't remember anything before church, but I remember going to church when I was little. From the time I was three until I was 17, we went to a particular denomination of church. And um, in in that, it was, um, that was all I knew growing up. And And so at five years old, I remember the Sunday night that I tugged on the back of my mama's skirt on a Sunday night service, and I said, I need to go down front and ask Jesus into my heart, and so she she grabbed hold of me, not typically what she did in church, usually is a thump or a pinch <laughs> for being too noisy, but she grabs hold of me. She said, "If you need to go down front, I'll go with you." So we went down front, and this particular denomination had little uh, these benches lined up in front. They weren't for sitting; they were for kneeling. And we went up there. The pastor came down off the stage, and. Um, I remember, I remember him, Pastor Connie. Connie Carricker was his name. And he comes down off the stage and he kneels down with me and he leads me through a prayer to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Five years old. Started my journey. From there, it started my journey with with Christianity, with what I believed was was what God had for me. And so I started walking this journey out because we went to church every week. And what I found for the next 12 years, what I learned is that I needed to be a good person. Can anybody relate? I mean, if you're, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to be a good person. God demanded, this was what was taught to me. God demanded that I be a good boy. What does that mean to be a good boy? It means don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, don't run with girls who do. (laughs) That's, that's what it meant. And there was this, there was this demand that I be a good boy. And from the, from the eyes of the people around the church, there was an expectation on everyone, especially this little boy that was growing up in church. There was an expectation that you be at church Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. From the time I was three until I was 17, that that 12 years. Not that, that that was more than 12, but from the time I got saved. (laughs) From five to 17, that's the 12 years that I'm looking at. (laughs) The rest of the time, I wasn't being a good boy in church. Say, well, he's from Oklahoma. He don't know how to add anyways. But see, people expected us to be at church every time the doors were open. My mama expected us to be at church every time the doors were open. And what they also expected from their people was to um, dress appropriately, dress your best, Appropriate conduct from a five, six, seven-year-old boy. <laughs> and your hair had to be cut just right. You had to, I mean, there were so many rules and regulations that were, were put out there. And, and that's what I believed that I needed to do to be a good boy. But there came a galvanizing moment in my life in church. There came this moment, I think I was about 14 or 15 years old. We were in church and there was a particular young man that had come to church that day and I knew him because I went to the same school as him. He was a couple of years older than me, but we grew up in the same school system from elementary to high school. I knew this kid and this kid was very musically inclined. He was a drummer and it. At eight or nine years old, or eighth or ninth grade, I'm sorry, eighth or ninth grade, this kid was such a good drummer in the band that he had his own rock band. He was a drummer in a rock band at, you know, eighth or ninth grade. And I remember they were good. And, and so he was living this rock and roll lifestyle as a 15 year old. And, and he, had the, he had long hairs down to his shoulders and stuff. And I remember he showed up at our church because the girls liked him <laughs> at school. And the girls that were in our church invited him to come to church one Sunday morning. And being in the church that I grew up in where they said, you got to cut your hair a certain way, this boy shows up with hair longer than the girls. And he's sitting in the back row with... Um, With the girls that invited him. And I think even one of them was the pastor's daughter. Was sitting center. But the back row of the center section. And I remember my pastor stopping in the middle of his message. And looking at that boy. And saying, we appreciate you coming to church this morning. But if you ever want to come back, you're going to have to cut your hair. And I remember... That morning, my heart dropped because I knew the kid. Um, I was embarrassed for him because everybody turned around and looked at him. And they, it, he was told if he ever wanted to come back, he had to cut his hair. And he never came back. And I don't, today, I don't even know where he is with God. I did a little Facebook stalking. <laughs> He's still a drummer. He's a studio musician, and he um, has his own music store. And I, But I couldn't find anything about his relationship with with Jesus. I don't know if he ever got one or not. I don't know if that galvanized his life in Christianity the way it galvanized mine, because it was from that moment, 14 or 15 years old, till about the time I was 17 that I started figuring that who I am and who God has made me to be, I may not fit into their mold either. And at 17 years old, coming to a realization of myself, I, I looked at the church equal to Christianity and Christianity equal to the church. And I did not have the ability to distinguish between the two So I walked away from church and Christianity at 17 years old. And when you do that and you go to college, you do some stupid things. (laughs) My my wife's dad says that God protects the stupid children and the stupid. God protected me those years because he knew what he wanted me to do later on. But at 17 years old, I, I walked away from church and Christianity. Started living my own life because I didn't fit the mold. I didn't fit into their religious way of thinking. The greatest revival that we can experience as a Christian is believing in the resurrection of Christ. See, resurrection, just that very word is revival. Yes. It is a revival. And when you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is a revival. When you believe in the resurrection, when you believe that he, was, he, he died on a cross, bled and died for your sin, and was resurrected from the dead, when you believe that, it brings revival to your life. It brings a new birth on the inside of you. And what, it, what the Bible says that, that we're born again or we're saved. But see, many churches, the church that I grew up in especially, if you were saved, that was the goal. That was the goal. Be saved. Be born again. That's, that's all we got for you except you fit our mold. You fit into our mold, you'd be a good boy you be a good little girl. Don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, or run with girls who do. <laughs> do what we do, say what we say, and look how we look. See, the biggest mistake that I believe that the church can make is to clone itself after itself. In churches all over this nation today, people are cloning themselves after themselves. People are saying that if you come to our church, if you're going to be a part of the church, you've got to dress this way. You've got to act this way. You can't, you can't have poo-poo on your boots when you come to church. You've got to dress this way. You've got to fit our mold. And when we clone ourselves after ourselves it brings about cookie cutter images and it, and it paints the picture that we're all the same. Well, We're all human, but we're not all the same. It's like, it's like an apple seed. If you had two apple seeds and you planted them side by side, when those trees begin to grow up, they're not gonna shoot out branches at the same spot as each other. They're not going to produce the same number of fruit. They're going to produce the same fruit, but maybe not the same number of fruit because on the inside of them, they're the same tree, but they're different when they start growing. And people tend to think, a lot of times church people tend to think that um, we're all the same, that we're just this cookie cutter. If you're not like I am, then you're not doing it right. That's what religion does. That's what religion does. It requires this outside appearance to be accepted as a Christian. It's like stapling wings on a caterpillar. Stapling wings on a caterpillar doesn't make it a butterfly. However, if we let the process happen to the caterpillar, it'll become a butterfly without staples. Those two, there's two caterpillars may be caterpillars, but they are not the same. They may have different markings. They may be of the same genus and species, but they don't have the same markings. And when they go through the transformation and come out a butterfly, they're not even the same butterfly. Sometimes the colors are a little bit different. Sometimes the markings are a little bit different places on their wings. And so when we try to make people fit into our mold, when we try to make other Christians, make Christians look like Christians, look like Christians, look like Christians that look like me, when we do that, it limits transformation to a ground-level glory. It limits transformation to a ground-level glory. And that ground-level glory for some churches is be born again. And that's where we stop. But that's not the way God does things. There's a transformation that has to, has to come into play. If you would hold your place there in Second Corinthians chapter 3 and go with me over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation today and see how you like that. <clears throat> over in John chapter three, I'll give you a little lead into what's going on. Jesus has just entered into ministry and been in ministry very long, maybe, maybe a few months. And, um, he's gone through some of the process. He's, he's done some pretty cool things. He's picked his disciples out. His disciples are following him. He's done some pretty incredible miracles, even up to this point, just a few months into the ministry. And, the, the things that Jesus is doing raised an awareness among the religious leaders of that day. They, some of those leaders were pretty intimidated with what he was doing because he was preaching the same word of God that they preached, but there was something different about him. They become either intimidated or they become curious. And curiosity got the got a hold of one of the guys, one of the guys of the religion of the day. From the, uh, you know, if if there were denominations in Jesus day, the Pharisees were a big denomination. And there was one Pharisee that was pretty, um, he was uh, pretty high up in the Pharisaical. Um, is that even a word, Pharisaical? In the Pharisees, <coughs> he was. had to look at my thesaurus and dictionary over here. Um, Anyways, he was was a little bit curious. He's the leader of the Pharisees and his name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was curious and he really didn't want his other uh, counterparts to see him talking to this outlaw named Jesus. And so he went in the middle of the night, he snuck over to Jesus' house and knocked on the door. And, and he began to ask Jesus some questions. He began to make some comments to Jesus. And he's uh, and this, is, this is my translation of it. But he, Nicodemus says, you know, I'm serving the same God as you, but there's something different about you. We're preaching some of the same things, but there is stuff happening in your ministry that hasn't ever happened in our ministry. There is a power that is coming out on the inside of you and your ministry. So Jesus responds to Nicodemus. Let's look at this here. Verse three. If you don't have a passion translation on your lap, you can look at the screen if you want, but um, it says pretty much the same thing as your Bible does, just different. (laughs) Same with us. We're all the same, but different. Anyways, verse three, Jesus answered and he said, Nicodemus, Listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, he must first experience a rebirth. Nicodemus said, a rebirth? How can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. Now, real quick, this guy is a smart aleck. And he's gross. <laughs> How can a gray-headed man go back into the womb? That's weird. But it's, he's trying to be a smart aleck there. And he says, he goes on, Jesus, Jesus answered that. Verse 5, Jesus answered, he said, I speak an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and spirit wind, you will never enter kingdom, God's kingdom realm. For the natural realm can only give birth to natural things or to things that are natural. But the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. You shouldn't be amazed my, at my statement. by my statement. You must be born from above. For the spirit wind blows as it chooses and you can hear its sound, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. So it is within the heart, so it is within the hearts of those who are spirit born. Then Nicodemus replied, but I don't understand. What do you mean? How does this happen? And Jesus answered, Nick, aren't you a respected teacher in Israel? And yet you don't understand this revelation. I speak eternal truths about things that I know I've seen, things that I know, that I've, things that I've seen and experienced. And still you don't accept what I reveal. If you're unable to understand and believe what I've told you about the natural realm, what will you do when I begin to unveil the heavenly realm? Jesus is saying, Nick, your religion... Your religion over the last 500 years has cloned the form of godliness but lacks power. It's the same thing that that Paul told Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, you've got a form of godliness but there is no power. He said, you've just cloned things after yourself Your natural generated religious system is producing natural results. But if you want supernatural results, you have to awaken the spirit on the inside of you and connect with the spirit that has been given to you. The spirit that brings heaven to earth is how you are going to see something different from your ministry. It's connecting the spirit. And Jesus is saying... In that, your spirit has to first be reborn. That is the revival to the, to the initial glory of God's kingdom. Jesus called it being born from above. He said, there is a spirit wind. And it's that spirit wind that is the transformation that will take you into higher heavenly things on earth. See, we, we continue, we, we talk about that, especially when we talk about revival. We talk about heaven on earth. We want heaven to come to earth. I mean, I love to see people born again. I love to see people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time. But from there, that's where my passion picks up. My passion picks up to feed those that have come to the things of the Lord and begin to take them to a different level, a different place, a different space in order to begin to allow God and his spirit realm happen in our lives and to open up ourselves in our ministry. not, not, Not my ministry, our ministry as Christians to do what Jesus did. And the only way that we can do that is to connect to that spirit realm. That's the only way to bring heaven to earth. Because the spirit, I don't have in my natural self the luxury of stepping into heaven. But the spirit does. And the spirit goes back and forth. And when I'm connected to him, now my spirit can go back and forth. Now there's power that can come into our ministry on this earth. Now is when we see our religion different from that of the Pharisees. We see a spirit life religion. Listen, religion is not a bad word. Sometimes Christians have taken it as a bad word, but when your religion is hampering you, it is a bad word. But when your religion and what you worship and what you do and how you are passionate about the things of God, that religion of the Spirit is different. Amen. It brings power. Are you with me? Amen. See, Jesus was showing, Nicodemus was telling him about and, and proving of Jesus' ministry. He was saying, revival and transformation work together. They are designed, they, they are not designed to just bring a rebirth and leave us there. Right. But they're meant to drive our spiritual changes into God's expected outcome. Yeah. When you look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, look at that verse again. It says this, this, this is where it crescendos too." What the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, but we all. We all. What is we all? We all as a group? Yeah. But when you look up that Greek word, we all, it means everyone individually. We all are not the same, we all are individuals. And God is wanting to do something individually on the inside of us. He says, we all are um, everyone individually with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord with unveiled face. Now, when we started this series, when we were talking about this series in the office, this year has been a year of veiled faces in the natural realm. I mean, I, I remember seeing uh, pictures of like Japan, like Asia, the, the, the East, and people would wear masks and stuff like that. Even when we went to, uh, we went to Las Vegas last year at Christmas time and we saw masks being worn there before the Corona thing even come about, but they were mostly worn by Asian people that they was wearing these masks. Did they know something we didn't know? <laughs> anyhow, <coughs> anyhow, we are, we are living. We are living. We're, this last year has given us the experience of people with masks. Yeah. Whether you wear one or whether you don't, you see people who are all over the place. And what I think about that is somebody with a mask on with their sunglasses on and you meet them coming through the parking lot or whatever. You look at them and you say, hello, you don't know whether they're sticking their tongue out at you or smiling because they have a veiled face. You can't see the expression. And what God is telling us here, he is saying, unveil your face in front of me so that we can have an exchange of expression together. Jesus has not got his face veiled. He is wide open to us and we have to be looking to him, looking at him, looking at his expression and him looking into our expression. Yeah. And he says here with unveiled face, looking into a mirror, beholding as in a mirror. What are we doing looking into a mirror? It's what we do every day looking into a mirror. We get up and we look into a mirror and we look and go, Man, I ain't seen that wrinkle before. <laughs> a zit, I'm way too old for a zit. <laughs> and we, we look in the mirror so that we know how to compare and adjust ourselves for the day. But he's saying, look into the mirror of Jesus. How do you look different from him? And how you look different from him is how you're supposed to adjust yourself to be like him. He said, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord, that we are transformed. We are metamorphosist, metamorphosized. She said, yeah, that's right. Because it's when we look in the mirror and we look into Jesus' face is how we know by the spirit wind how we are to change ourselves. Not from what my pastor says, not from what another Christian says. They have opinions all over the place at how you're supposed to look but it's when we look into the mirror of Jesus Christ, it's when we allow the spirit to begin to show us what we need to do to change into his image. It's about comparing ourselves to him, not comparing ourselves to other people. It's about about comparing ourselves to Jesus, looking into his face. And he says, being transformed into the same image. What image? The image of Jesus from glory to glory. From glory to glory. I looked up the word from. We all know what from means. But what I found in the Greek of what this word from means, it means from the original. What's the original? It's being born again. When we get born again, that is the original of Christianity. That is the base place. Now... We go from glory to glory. There is a base place, but we can't stay there. And let me tell you something. When you intentionally put yourself in front of Jesus, you put yourself in front of the word of God, in front of the spirit of God, you're going to find out that you haven't arrived past this base place much until you begin to look into him. And when you look into him, now you have the ability and the power to be transformed. Because when we look into his face, it restores truth on the inside of us. It brings revival and bringing revival means that we put ourselves into a place. Basically, where we climb up on a little branch and start spinning a cocoon, a little chrysalis around ourselves and allowing God to change us into a better form of who we are because we're being conformed or transformed into the image of Jesus. From glory to glory. That word to is the same word as into. And that is transformation. That is metamorphosis. And he says it happens By the spirit of the Lord. Did you hear me? Just as by the spirit of the Lord. Back there in in John chapter 3, in verse 8. If I can find it now. There it is. John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For the spirit wind blows as it chooses, and you can hear it sound, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. So it is within the hearts of those who are spirit born. I love this passion translation um, that I have because it gives me a bunch of footnotes and helps me understand things a little bit better. And I thought when I read this footnote that was here, it posed a question that Jesus was posing to Nicodemus, but it's being posed to us right now. And in the footnote of, of verse 8 in John chapter 3, in the Passion Translation, the footnote says this. It says, if our new birth is so mysterious, how much more will, it be, will will be the ways of living each moment by the movement of the Holy Spirit? If being born again... See, sometimes when you say that, people have the same reaction that Nick had. The same reaction. What? Born again, what does that mean? Well, if that's so mysterious, how much more mysterious is it going to be as we walk this transformation process out as being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? People are going to go, you're different. Some people may look at you and say, you're weird. But as you begin to do that, as you begin to walk that transformation out, what you're going to find is that there is power that begins to work. Because when the image of Jesus comes upon you, his, his supernatural that's on the inside of him doesn't hold itself back. It becomes a part of who you are. And now all of a sudden, things begin to happen. Prayers begin to get answered powerful things begin to take place in your life when you begin to lay your hands on somebody they can see i remember that morning and i said this so many times but it's a pivotal point in my life is uh, is i've got this tremor going on in my body and i don't like putting my hands on people no more because i shake them around (laughs) and there's a young lady that we knew very well comes up to the front and she says pastor she's crying she says pastor can you pray for me I said, yeah, what do you need? And she said, I, got, I, was, I was goat tying and mud came up into my eye and scratched my eyes so bad that the doctor said, I will never have my peripheral vision in my life. There's too much scar tissue there. And I can't see out of that eye. She says, will you pray for me? God told me that if you'll pray for me, he'll do something. All right. All right. <laughs> So I grabbed some anointing oil, I put it on my hands. And it just so happened to be at that time I only had a tremor on the left side of my body, of my hand. And it happened to be when I'm standing in front of her. That's the eye that is messed up. So I said, "I'm going to put my thumbs on your eyes. If I poke it too hard, just push me back or something." I said, "Just I'm going to I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you." And she closed her eyes and I put my thumbs on her eyes and I said, God, this girl needs a miracle. She's 16, 17 years old and she don't want to go through life like this. So God, would you heal her? I didn't feel nothing. I didn't get no electric from heaven. As a matter of fact, I just put my thumb there and then I got my hands off of her because I was going (laughs) to mash her eye in. (laughs) And she opens her eyes. And when she opens her eyes and looks around, she just started crying, started almost screaming. And she said, I can see, Amen. I can see, Amen. Oh, yeah. I can see. Well, I didn't feel no electric. So I was like, well, all right, go check it out. You know, she went to the doctor the next day and the doctor says, there is no way that this could have been except for a miracle. See, it's, it's not about walking 10 feet off the ground and telling people how powerful you are. It's about just trans- being transformed into the image of Christ. And when you do what Jesus did, thank God he didn't tell, her, tell me to spit in her eye <laughs> well, like he did. <clears throat> <laughs> Talk about gross. It, it's just when you do what Jesus did because you're transformed into his image, when you do what he did and expect the power of God to work because it worked through him, it can work through me because he lives on the inside of me, boom, watch what God can do. That's right. Amen. Watch what God will do. See, the Holy Spirit blows like the wind. Taking each of us individually on our journey, our individual journey of transformation to the same image of Jesus. If God meant for us to be clones or he meant for us to be cookie cutter Christians, that we were all the same, he would not have given us access to his spirit that blows wherever it wants to blow. He would not have given us access to the Holy Spirit that wants to blow through your life differently than he wants to blow through mine, but still coming to the image of Jesus Christ. See, we can limit his glory in us with religious framework, or we can move our Christian life into heavenly glory on earth by his word and his spirit. See, God doesn't just staple wings on our caterpillar life. And then call us Christians. He moves in our life. He moves. He does not limit it to staples. He moves in our life into heavenly glory on this earth. So that word transformation, what we've been talking about over the last several weeks, the word transformation, that metamorphosis is his spirit wind. His spirit wind will continually blow us from one level of the image of Jesus to the next level of the image of Jesus. It's an ongoing process. Just like revival is a continual thing in your journey, because revival is a continual thing in your journey, so is transformation a continual thing in your journey. Mm -hmm. Unlike a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, he only gets to do it one time and then he dies. But our life is continual metamorphosis into the image of Jesus. It's not just a one-time deal. It's continual, 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 a continual journey of transformation, of metamorphosis into how we are in the image of Jesus Christ. And every one of our lives is custom fit because of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. I want to close with this verse. It's still 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, but Eugene Peterson, who translated the uh, uh, the message Bible, said this verse so cool. Listen to how Eugene Peterson translated Second Corinthians three eighteen. He says this all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face, and so we are transfigured. Much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. I love that. That transformation allows God to enter our lives and to show us where we need to change. Gives us the truth of that, restores the truth of that, and brings us into a transformation place where he can break down and remove everything that has held us back from his image and begin to shape us into the image of his son. That's his goal. His goal is not for you to be a preacher, his goal is not for you to be a powerful Christian so much as his goal is for us to look like Jesus. And when you look like Jesus, all of those things will come into play. All of those things will come into play. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this life that you have given us. Father, I thank you for the life of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Father, for those of us who call ourselves Christians... I pray, God, that we won't get stuck at the base place, but we'll walk this relationship with you out from glory to glory to be more shaped into the image of Jesus Christ than we are right now. So, Father, I thank you so much for that. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you it's your goodness that we got to come to, not just being good ourselves because when we're good like you, we'll be good. So Father, I thank you and I praise you for this Christian walk. But Father, I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice sitting in this room, watching by Facebook Live, watching by N3C.TV, watching or listening by podcast, Father, anyone under the sound of my voice that has never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never even got to that base place yet. Father, I pray that they would make a change to ask Jesus to be a part of their life. But see, here's how it works. It may be a prayer that you pray. It may be a hand that you raise. It may be an aisle that you walk in some places. But here, the way that I like to look at it is when Jesus called his disciples, those men who had never walked with him before. He didn't ask them to raise their hand. He didn't ask them to pray a prayer. He didn't ask them to walk an aisle. He just simply walked up to them and he says, would you come and follow me? And each one of them dropped what they were doing and they began to follow after him. Well, that's what Jesus is asking this morning. He's looking you in the eye and he's saying, would you come and follow me? If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you said, yeah, I believe what he did on the cross. I believe that was all true. I, You know, that's, that's all good and stuff, but I really haven't done anything beyond that. That's where it starts. Jesus is looking you in the eye on that, from that cross, from the blood pouring down his body saying, this is the price that I pay for you. Now will you come and follow me? Would you say yes this morning? Would you drop what you do, what you're doing, and begin to follow him? Would you push everything aside that you've been living by and live by Jesus Christ and him crucified? Would you say yes to him today? Father, I thank you for those that are saying yes all over this room. Maybe those that are saying yes, watching on our live streams, listening to a podcast, I pray that they would say yes. And Father, when they say yes, they are born again. They are saved. And now they can enter into transformation to look like Jesus and watch heaven, the power of heaven, begin to operate through their lives. I thank you and I praise you for all that you do and all that you are in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.